Hello, welcome to Book Lounge with Gloucester Book Club. I'm Christina Young and a happy new year to you all. In tonight's episode, I'm joined by Liz and Joe to talk about Ian McEwan's new book, Lessons. We hope you enjoy. Just to forewarn you, before you dive into our discussion, there may be one or two spoilers. When the world was still counting the cost of the Second World War and the Iron Curtain had closed, young Roland Baines's life was turned upside down. 2,000 miles from his mother's protective love, stranded at an unusual boarding school, his vulnerability attracted piano teacher Miss Miriam Cornell, leaving scars as well as a memory of love that will never fade. Now, when his wife vanishes, leaving him alone with his tiny son, Roland is forced to confront the reality of his restless existence. As the radiation from Chernobyl spreads across Europe, he begins a search for answers that looks deep into his family history and will last for the rest of his life. From the Suez Crisis to the Cuban Missile Crisis, the fall of the Berlin Wall to the current pandemic and climate change, Roland sometimes rides with the tide of history, but more often struggles against it. Haunted by lost opportunities, he seeks solace through every possible means. Music, literature, friends, sex, politics, and finally, love cut tragically short, then love ultimately redeemed. His journey raises important questions for us all. Can we take full charge of the course of our lives without damage to others? How do global events beyond our control shape our lives and our memories? And what can we really learn from the traumas of the past? This book is described as epic, mesmerising and deeply humane. Lessons is a chronicle for our times, a powerful meditation on history and humanity through the prism of one man's lifetime. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, Joe, for joining me again on our first podcast of the new year. I hope you had a great Christmas and New Year. Um, thanks for joining me. So tonight we're going to be talking about Lessons by Ian McEwan, which was we were really lucky as a book club because we got given 10 free copies of this fantastic book back in about November time. I think we read it. So we thought it was really important to do a podcast on it. Can I ask you, what do you what did you make of the book? Did you enjoy it? And what was it about? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it is Ian McEwan's latest novel. Uh, it's a really great story. It's it's what I would call a magnum opus. It's a, it's a massive book. It's about roughly 500 pages long. And it's the story of the span of life of a baby boomer called Roland Baines, who was born into the post-war relics of empire. It's about his life and loves, his childhood with emotionally distant parents in various military postings overseas, his life at boarding school later in England, 
intense mm -hmm. in all the major historical and political events of the era of his lifetime, how he was affected and inevitably how his life was shaped by them. Perhaps the yeah. most important lesson um, for us, uh, the title of the lessons, the most important for us perhaps, is how we are all affected by the events and actions of other people around us, by the events in the world. Uh, we're like sailors adrift on the sea, a stormy sea. All this is something that Roland has to learn. And likewise, those of us of the same generation are encouraged to come to terms with our lives in the same sort of way. Liz, what would you say about it? I think you really liked the book when you read it. I seem to remember you liked it anyway. Yes, I thought it was an absolutely tremendous book. It appealed to me specifically because all of the backdrop from when the Roland is a child, all the things I remember, one of my earliest political memories as a girl at school was talking about the Cuba crisis and would we be evacuated. Um, so I would say this book is personal tragedies, personal problems, but set against global catastrophes that are going on at the same time, that you have the personal narratives of the main characters, most of whom have quite a few problems in their lives, but the backdrop to that is what's going on in the world. And decade by decade, everything that he mentioned, I remember. I cut my political teeth on some of them. If you had to put it in a nutshell, I would say it's about failed motherhood. Mm. I think I would describe as a story about three very different women who, for all sorts of reasons, because of the backdrop going on around them, walk out on relationships with their children. It is really, isn't it? And as you mentioned, you know, there's there's a lot of kind of world events crammed into this book. So we've got the fall of the Berlin Wall, we've got the Cuban Missile Crisis. It even brings us right up to date with the pandemic, doesn't it? As well. And so we've got this kind of soundtrack of these large scale political events running along through this story. And that's what makes it such a big book. Now, my question to you, is it a book, do you think, that would appeal more to older people, perhaps of our generation, who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, than it would to the younger generation now, because they haven't lived through that stuff, might they not be able to relate as well to it? Well, I think probably both generations, if you like, have something to learn from it. It's more likely that people of our sort of age, as you say, 60s, 70s, whatever, are more likely to relate to the incidents that are talked about in the book. So um, the Cuban Missile Crisis, Suez, Aden, all these things that were going on at the fag end of empire are the sort of touchstones of the story. They're the fixed points of Roland's life like they were for us. So I suspect that people like us more likely to feel drawn maybe, but I'm mm. sure people would like to learn about these things they will have heard of that weren't, weren't mm. alive to experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with you. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put anyone off reading this book at all. But I, I, I've had comments said to me that you know maybe, maybe if you're a younger generation, it doesn't grab you as much as it does does us older people because we've been there. We, you know, we've lived it. And as you said, Liz, 
you spent your kind of teenage years thinking, were you going to get evacuated because of the Cuban Missile Crisis? That's not easy to relate to, is it, if, you've, um, if you're a lot younger? It is a question I ask my children who are not young, they're in their 30s, but they are very, very interested. They all know about Chernobyl, for example. It's something that yep. they would be concerned with. And particularly um, the USSR, for example, and Gorbachev and the collapse of the Soviet Empire in Russia. I mean, that is so currently right up to date that a lot of them are Googling it and finding out the history of it. So I think younger people would be interested in it. And that's encouraging. Jim McEwen said he spent the whole of lockdown writing this book because, you know, he was locked away in his house for a long time and he spent the whole time you know, focusing on writing this really large book. So we have the main protagonist who's called Roland Baines, as you mentioned earlier, Joe. He goes through his life, to me, seems quite a passive sort of character in many ways. He, he seems to want someone else to take control for him. Do you agree with that? Do you think he did, Joe? Uh, yes, he is a bit like that. He's got a very um, forceful father. Uh, Robert Baines, who's a, an officer in the army, is various places where events of empire took place. So near near Suez, in Aden, um, Malaya, all these places. His father probably quite a controlling man, but he's mm. he sends his son away to boarding school in England, ostensibly to make life easier for him and his wife and. Maybe he thinks better for Roland, so he dispatches Roland off to boarding school in England. He kind of passes the buck to them to bring him up, and Roland is is sat there, kind of looked after by the school and the school system, and he's prey to all the things that go on in schools like that. In in terms mm -hmm. of depicting life in an English prep school in that sort of era, it's fantastically well written and, mm -hmm. and accurate. And I mm. think Ian McEwan has said himself, it's not deliberately autobiographical, but there are aspects of the story that reflect his own childhood. He was similarly brought up in, in a sort of upper middle class, almost empire based background. And he was sent mm. to boarding school in England. Spent time in North Africa when he was um, growing up. There also was some sort of incident of giving a baby away on Reading Station. Um, when he, you know, in his own family. So, you know, you can speculate when you're reading the book on the bits that you think were true. Also, Liz, there is some sexual abuse affecting Roland very strongly in his life and seems to affect the whole of his life, actually. W would it be described, would you describe it as abuse or early sexual experience? And how much has it affected his life, do you think? That's the main question in the sense that whilst it's going on i don't think he regards himself as a victim i mean he's only 11 when the first sexual advances are made to him he's just coming up to 16 when it finishes i don't think he has the emotional maturity to sit back and think am i being abused am i being a victim i think that's a question he never addresses at the time i think it certainly does damage him 
I think there's there's um, a telling phrase where his his wife that he marries says of the woman at school who abused him, she rewired your brain. I she did have a lasting effect on him. I think the damage occurred because it set a pattern for the way he goes into relationships with other women that he doesn't really come to terms with and sort out to the last love of his life, Daphne. The Cuban Missile Crisis comes upon him when he is about 15, I think it is, in the book. And he suddenly panics because he thinks he's not going to have sex before he dies. Um, you know, And so he flees to his teacher's house to you know, actually thinking about, I, I need to have sex. I, I must have sex before I die. And obviously now, looking back on it, we would say, obviously, sex between an adult and never be consensual. And what did you think about all of that, Joe? Was that, was that difficult to read? Was I thought it raised a very, very interesting point that we talked about at length and argued about for, to some extent in our book club meetings. It does raise the issue, if you have a, a teenage boy who I think we all kind of take the view that teenage boys are raging with hormones. But the, the fact that the abuse was committed on him by a female teacher, a woman on a teenage boy, is that the same as or as bad as a male teacher sexually abusing a, a, a girl pupil? Well, in, in my book, it's, it's illegal, it's the same, it's a terrible thing to do. The fact mm. the child in the, in this case might be a boy, might have all the teenage sex mad urges that teenage boys have, is irrelevant really. He's not got the emotional maturity to stand up to it. And I think that comes, becomes quite clear as the book progresses. Of course, the effect it has on his later relationships is pretty serious. It puts him in the position of being very demanding sexually. and. Alyssa accuses her of that at one stage. Your sexual needs were just ongoing. I couldn't avoid them. I think mm. he does start to see himself as a victim once he becomes more or less a captive in the teacher's house where he has no clothes, he has no money, and he suddenly dawns on him, I'm a prisoner here. Mm. I didn't sign up for this. But I think it did damage him. It put an end to his education. It put an end to any prospects of further or higher education because he ran away from school. Um, later on, when they meet towards the end of the book, when she's an elderly woman in her 60s and he's a late middle-aged man in his 50s, of course, there's only 10 years between them. So at that stage, the gap has really, really narrowed. Um, and I still think he has a little bit of confusion. Yes, you were the teacher, you were in the position of power. Did I actually go along with it in the way that Joe says? You know, it's something he hasn't ever sorted out. No, and it's something that's bothered him, isn't it, all through his life, really. And I think that's why he needed to go back and seek out Alyssa, if you like, deal with it, um, you know, because he needed to do that, I think, in order to move on. I mean, sex and love are quite dangerous uh, topics in, in lots of Ian McEwan's books. I've, I've read quite a few and it comes up quite a lot. I'm thinking in particular of one, Chesil Beach, which is a much, much shorter book. I mean, in fact, it's probably a novella, really, rather than a novel. It's almost like something that's been denied is now allowed. And, you know, in Chesil Beach, the, the couple were clearly in love, but the sex got in the way. 
sex messed it up for them because they couldn't they couldn't consummate their marriage. So, you know, Ian McEwan does bring these kind of um, difficulties around sex into lots of his novels, which I find really interesting. Let's talk a little bit about his life or his marriage to Alyssa. Actually flees the marriage, doesn't she? she? They've had a baby. The baby is quite young. And Roland is left holding, literally holding the baby and looking after the baby while Alyssa separates from him and goes off to pursue her career. Looking from a woman's perspective, I can't condemn her because if the man suddenly realised he was going to be the greatest author in Europe, um, but it meant leaving his wife and child, that doesn't somehow conjure up the same sense of outrage if a woman does it. You know, women aren't mm. supposed to abandon babies to become the greatest authors in Europe. And a lot of yes. the early part of the book is... Roland struggle being a young father without any support but I think Alyssa she's a very complicated figure because the one thing she doesn't want to do is follow her mother's pattern the the book talks about Alyssa's mother how she sacrificed her creative skills if you like and what she could have done on the altar of marriage motherhood baby and I think Alyssa at times attacks her quite nastily, saying, I'm not going to live your life again. I'm not going to make the mistakes you did. And I think this idea of can you be a mother and a creative genius, if you like, are the two yeah. incompatible. What did you think about her abandoning her child, Joe? Did that did that raise any feelings in you? Or Well, yes, it did. I mean, I agree Liz is right that there's a tendency... Uh, many of us tend to look at that sort of situation perhaps a bit overly critical when it is the woman who's the one doing the nominal abandoning mm. whereas it's kind of a bit of a cliche that we see in society far more evidence perhaps of the father doing the abandoning if you like um, clearing yeah. off to live some sort of irresponsible life of drinking and gambling and messing around whereas she's gone off to pursue a life of art and literature, rather more high-minded ideals. Simply, we tend to be a little bit more sympathetic towards Alyssa. I, I didn't particularly like her because of because of the fact that she abandoned um, husband and child. Yet I am aware of trying to avoid the automatic knee-jerk reaction of, of yeah. picking on her and blaming her for. I mean, I think. Um... Well, I, was reading the book, I felt that Roland was often felt to me indecisive. He, he found it difficult to make decisions. He was with, in a relationship with Daphne for a number of years. It was like, you know, they, they were going to get married, then they weren't. You know, it was, it, was, it was always this kind of indecisiveness with, with Roland. And sometimes I felt like I wanted to shake him, you know, make, make a decision, Roland, and stick to it. And also I felt that he, he always felt that somehow his experiences and possibly particularly the sexual experience when he was young and the fact that Alyssa um, kind of left him meant it held him back from his what he could have achieved in his career. I mean, he was clearly quite talented a piano player and uh, you know that's how he, I mean he started lesson starts with him learning to play the piano at school and he was very good at it and he could probably have done better with it but he didn't did he because he just did ended up playing in hotel foyers in the evening to entertain the guests and yeah. I kind of always felt like he 
he felt that he could have achieved more but in a way he'd been held back by having to bring up his son on his own and actually that made me reflect on what it can be like for women that women can't always um you know because they are in the role usually of looking after their children bringing up the children that they don't always fulfill their potential either and i thought yeah it's kind of fair this way round <laughs> i feel but i think the narrative is littered with if you like abandoned children roland's mm. mother rosalind because of the scandal in her marriage for her first marriage she gets rid of her two existing children they are sent to live with other relatives because she wants to keep the scandal quiet she has an illegitimate child that she hands to a stranger on a railway platform when the baby's only six weeks old mm -hmm. Alyssa abandons Lawrence the child she had because she wants to pursue her creative career her own mother brought her up feeling that she was an impediment to anything that she might have done so I think there's a lot of abandonment issues in this novel yeah I agree what happens towards the end of the book he goes off to find Alyssa doesn't he to try and sort it, his head out about what happened and to confront her does his journey throughout the book raise important questions for all of us can we all can we really take charge of the course of our lives without damaging other people because there's a lot of damage being done throughout this book to people as you were saying there's a lot of abandonment stuff a lot of damage happening can we actually get through our lives without damaging other people and how do global events beyond our control actually shape our lives and our memories we are not in control of our lives like that as I said at the beginning, the, the important lesson that we get from this is that our lives, the course of our lives, is dictated by people around us, events around us, how they affect us. When Roland is proactive, when um, before the wall falls in Germany, where he speaks at length about East Berlin and the Stasi and what life was like there, and he goes over there many times to meet people, and he tells this story of Florin and Ruth, a couple that he meets who have two young children who fall foul of the Stasi in East Germany, who are living a fairly blameless life, professionals, and their world is turned upside down and she becomes cleaner, he becomes um, working in a factory, their children are taken away from any idea of further education. So, we can make choices about, am I going to walk out on my family? What we can't do is make choices. Again, this big political backdrop that McEwen's writing against because huge issues suddenly boil up that sweep us up in, 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 in the wave of it. And we have no control over that. Yeah, sure. And what can we really learn from the traumas of the past? Can we learn? I mean, do we learn from the traumas of the past? Yes, you can. As to whether we do all the time, I'm not so sure. We're not great at learning from the lessons of history. And we tend to fall into the mistake of ignoring history, thinking that mm. we're better than it, thinking that we are in control of events, which of course mm. is complete twaddle. We are not in control of events. McEwen puts words in Alyssa's mouth when she's writing, but a part of the story in Germany 
talks about a, a, a group of activists in Munich during the war who, at great risk to themselves, tried to, in a very small scale, put out some anti-Nazi propaganda. It's a true story. Mm. And they will get arrested and they are put to death. Alyssa has a rant about those, and I could actually have some sympathy with it, that this story has become part of the post-Holocaust German narrative, the good Germans. We did try, you know, we didn't all sit there sort of looking the other way when the, you know, the concentration camp smoke was going up. We did our bit. And he, McEwen puts these words, it, it is... It was a fig leaf put on a whole nation's conspiracy of silence. So if you like, by creating a false narrative, and this was just a handful of students in Munich. I mean, it didn't go very far, but it's become, it's become a bit like plucky England winning Dunkirk. Well, we didn't win it. We were defeated and we, we lost half our army. And it's this idea that oh, we, we, we did learn and you know, this is the post-narrative reason that we learned. I remember the bit in the book where Roland, well, Alyssa's written this book, hasn't she? She's written a fantastic book. She's, a, you know, she's the best author in Europe, and apparently. And Roland's got the book, and he thinks that it's about him, actually. He thinks that he's in this book. He thinks that um, the bits she's writing about domestic abuse in the book was about him. Um, you know, he's, he's been quite vain about that, but she's... So he's looking for himself in her novel and it turns out, she tells him, that he's not he's not in her novel, that she's borrowed bits from loads of people that she's known over the years and she's put them together and made this character. But it's not it's not Roland. I found that quite funny. Do, do you do you get that, Joe? Would you would you if you were in if you were Roland, would you have been looking for yourself in the books that she had written? I, I, I can see why he was thinking. What, what on earth has she said about me in here? That is an understandable sense of vulnerability that he feels he's the, in her mind, he's the one who's at fault. Why is she? Mm. And he's, he's trying to make sure that she's not telling a load of porky pies about him. Mm. It's perfectly understandable that he feels like that. And I probably would feel similarly. I think he had some justification because there was enough of her biography detail out in the world to tie up with dates and places and people so she talks about walking out on a young man from a certain place in London and leaving a baby behind and that was the characters that she used in the book so I did have some sympathy with Roland that you know readership could assume that it was him and it was him yes yeah Okay, we're coming towards the end of the podcast now, but before we finish, I need to ask you, this is a big book for a book club to read, isn't it? Bear in mind that you probably take a month if you're in a book club to read this book. Would you still, Joe, recommend it for a book club read and discussion? Yes, I would. I, I think it's, it's a fantastic book. I, I'm a big fan of McEwan's. I think he's a brilliant writer. Uh, the best of our generation, the modern generation of writers. It's a long book. Some of it is a bit difficult. And I can see that book clubs might find some members were struggled a little bit with parts of it or the length of it. But for me, it was worth its weight in gold. And I think we were very lucky to be offered the opportunity to read and review the book. Yeah. 
um, and I'm glad, really glad I read it. It was a long book, but I was almost sorry in a way when it came to an end because the backdrop to it was so familiar to me. It had a very, very telling bit at the end where he sort of, he's talking to his young granddaughter. Sorry about, and how's it going to finish? And he said, well, that's it, isn't it? I am going to have to leave the story because I'm, I will die. I don't know how it will finish. And he's, he says something about how hard it is to imagine that you have been removed from the story. And that really made an impression. But I thought it, it was brilliant. I didn't mind the length of it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think book clubs could look at it in different ways. Some might want to concentrate on all the political backdrop. Others might want to concentrate just on the personal stories of the main characters. There's such a lot in it. You could go either way. And having read lots of Ian McEwan's book, this is a, quite an exception in the fact that it is so long because actually um, in you know recent years, um, his books have been a lot, lot shorter than this. So you, know, you can tell that he had all that time during lockdown to actually concentrate on writing such a large magnus opus as, as you said, Joe. Um, so, yeah, I would thoroughly recommend it. I thought it was an absolutely brilliant, brilliant read. And, you know, if you like Ian McEwan, definitely read it because you can't miss this one out. It really is a fantastic book. But there are there were a few people in our book club who did who did struggle with it a little bit. But by and large, most people scored it really highly. So I think we'd all recommend it. So if you get a chance to get hold of a copy or if you were lucky enough to get one for Christmas, um, delve into it and I think you'll get sucked into the story really really quickly um, and I hope you all enjoy it. We will be back with another podcast in about a month's time. I'm not sure yet which one we're going to do. There are several on the list but we will be back. Thank you for listening to Gloucester Book Club's podcasts. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor FM, Google and Apple Podcasts and many more. We look forward to having you join us again soon.